Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Hello and welcome to another edition of Play Me or Fade Me. And thank you for joining us as always. Well, I feel like it's been forever since we last talked. We ended 2022 on a positive note. We cashed both Ohio State and TCU plus the points. So we hit both of the semifinal games and I got my wish. Two good, competitive, exciting games at the end. It was a fun night of football to watch. Then on Sunday, it was a topsy-turvy day for us. In college basketball, we had a good day. We went 3-1 and one on the card. Our new OPP, Other People's Picks, on Twitter went 2-1. and one. Our lone loser was on the frozen pond. We lost a shootout in the NHL. Our Twitter bets went 0-2. That'll happen. Unfortunately, we backed the lone loser in college basketball. That'll happen over a long course of a season. Then in the National Football League, I felt like I deserved better. I went 2-3 and three in the card. I cashed on the Packers and the Seahawks with ease. The Ravens had a 10-point lead, but they lost. So Bill in Florida gets the best of me yet again. I don't know how he does it, but he has my number this year. There's no doubt about that. Then the Patriots, they give up a backdoor touchdown late. They could have kicked a field goal to take the backdoor out of play. Didn't happen. Lose that bet as well. So I felt like I had a handicap that could have gone three and two, if not four and one. But when the dust settled, I went two and three in the National Football League. And now I got my work cut out in week 18 if I want to hit that magical 60% number for the year. So then financially, it's a little confusing. And unfortunately, I can't post everything in the show notes because I'm limited on the number of characters. So I will be posting a daily diary basically on Twitter if you want to see all the financials. When the dust settled for the day, I lost $5. Our unit size in 2023 is 20 bucks. I lost $5 on the day. Had we been on a minus 110 traditional book, I would have lost $15.92. So I saved about a half a unit in juice alone in just one day. 87.5% of my bets were filled. Unfortunately, one of the bets that didn't get filled was my winner on Michigan over Maryland. They won with ease and no one took the Maryland side. Don't know why. Then I also didn't get my full bet filled on the Twitter vote with UMBC. And that kind of makes sense to me because that vote ended about 15 minutes before the tip. So there was a small window of opportunity to bet a non-marquee game. I guess, unfortunately for me, since I lost the bet, somebody took $5 and that was the only $5 I lost on the day. But yeah, it's a little confusing. I'll post it once again on Twitter. But now let's get to the card for Monday. And we start in the National Football League. It's the Buffalo Bills minus the one at the Cincinnati Bengals. This one should be fun to watch. The Bengals have won seven straight. The Bills have won six straight. The Bills have lost three games this year by a combined eight points. The Bengals lost three of their first five games this year by three points each. Then their other loss was that Monday night to forget in Cleveland, losing by 19. So the metrics are extremely even in this one. The Bengals do have the home field advantage. But the Bills have played one of the toughest schedules in the league. They know the value of home field in the playoffs. They won at Kansas City this year, and they will find a way to win this one. I'm going to back Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills at Cincinnati, minus the one. Next up, we got a college football. Four bowl games on the docket. I'm going to touch two of them, and I'm going to pass on two of them. 
Mississippi State and Illinois and Tampa. I'm going to stay away from this one after the Mike Leach passing, so no play for me on that game. Then the Citrus Bowl in Orlando between LSU and Purdue. No play for me with a coaching change and opt-outs at Purdue. I would lean towards LSU, but I'm not overly excited about laying 14 and a half. So once again, that's a no play for me at the Citrus Bowl. I am going to touch the Cotton Bowl in Arlington, Texas. It is USC minus the one over Tulane. So it sounds like Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams will be playing for USC, but the Trojans will be missing a handful of key players on each side of the ball. Both teams can score. We know that. USC averaged 41 points per game this year, Tulane 35. Tulane has the much better defense. They're giving up just 20.5 points per game compared to the almost 28 points being allowed by the Trojans this year, including 45, 27, and 47 down the stretch. I looked past those issues with the USCD and got burned backing them against Utah in the Pac-12 title. Still a little bitter about my decision there. Tulane impressed me, though, this season, beating Kansas State on the road. They also beat a pair of ranked opponents to end the season. They beat Cincinnati by three, UCF by 17. We know the group of five teams have been more than respectable in these New Year's six-day bowl games, but I'm not going to pass up an opportunity to play this Trojan offense laying less than a field goal. So give me USC minus the one over Tulane. Next up, we go to the granddaddy of them all in Pasadena. It is the Rose Bowl, and I'm taking Utah in a pick over Penn State. So if I can close my eyes, I can hear the voices of Dick Enberg and Merlin Olson on the call on NBC, then the likes of Keith Jackson, whoa, Nelly, and Brent Musburger. You are looking live on the call for ABC. The Rose Bowl's always been one of my favorite games to watch. I have a deal with my wife and a couple of friends. The next time my Minnesota Golden Gophers make the Rose Bowl, I get to go. Unfortunately for me, Minnesota last made the Rose Bowl in 1962. So I've been waiting a long time to go to that game. So now back to this year's game. The Utes got to experience it last year. They lost on a late field goal to Ohio State by the score of 48 to 45. That was an instant classic, a great game to watch. Coach Whittingham is 11-4 and four in bowl games, but he is still in search of his first Rose. Penn State, they've lost three of their four Rose Bowls. Head coach James Franklin, he lost his lone Rose Bowl back in 2016. The Utes this season lost by three at Florida, lost by 10 at UCLA, and lost by three at Oregon. But they did sweep USC twice, a team that I like. So that USC handicap may come back to bite me twice since I have USC and Utah on my card today. Penn State is 10-2. and two. They lost to the two big dogs in the Big Ten, 24-point loss at Michigan, where they got outgained by a ton, but then they had a very respectable loss at home to Ohio State, where they only got beat by 13 and stayed toe-to-toe on the yardage front. So this is the end of the road for quarterback Sean Clifford at Penn State. I owe him a ton. He cashed a ton of tickets for me over the years, but I don't expect him to come up roses in this one. I'm on the Utes in a pick over Penn State. Next up, we've got a college basketball. It is a small slate of games, yet I'm finding a way to get four on the card. So normally proceed with caution because that's not a good thing. I'm going to start in the Horizon League. It is Wright State minus the 15 at IUPUI. So laying 15 on the road is crazy to begin with, but then when you hear the numbers for Wright State, it sounds even crazier. Both teams played Northern Kentucky last time out. Wright State lost by 14. IUPUI actually kept it closer losing by only 13. Both teams are 0-3 in the Horizon League. Nine of the 11 losses this year for IUPUI, though, have been by double digits. 
The metrics rank them near the bottom in all of college basketball. They average less than 60 points per game. They are what we call offensively challenged. Meanwhile, Wright State can score. They average almost 78 points per game. They've played a much tougher schedule. That's the only reason why I'm even considering them. And at 0-3 in the conference is one of the preseason favorites. I don't expect them to take the foot off the gas. So I'm going to lay the 15 on the road with the 7-7 Raiders of Wright State. Next up, we go to the Big Ten. It is Rutgers plus the eight at Purdue. So Purdue is number one in the land, one of two remaining undefeated teams. They already have wins over Marquette, West Virginia, Gonzaga, and Duke, just to name a few. Meanwhile, Rutgers is nine and four on the season with losses to Temple, Miami, Ohio State, and Seton Hall. They have a couple nice double-digit wins over Indiana and Wake Forest. The computer numbers actually look good for Rutgers. Their defense gives up under 55 points per game. Both teams have an excellent center, so that's nice to offset that. It's tough to bet against the number one team at home, but I'm going to use the data instead of the gut on this one. Eight is a couple buckets too many. I'm on Rutgers plus the eight at Purdue. Next up, we go to the Big 12. It is West Virginia plus the three and a half at Oklahoma State. So once again, full disclosure here, this game would never make the card on a normal night, but with a small slate of games, it had to make the cut. So which team can bounce back from a heartbreaking defeat the best? West Virginia lost in overtime at Kansas State after leading by 14. Oklahoma State lost by two at Kansas after leading by 15 at halftime. Bob Huggins has his most talented team in recent history at West Virginia. Their only other two losses this year have been at Xavier and against number one Purdue, two really good teams. And they have good wins this year over Pittsburgh, Florida, and UAB. Oklahoma State, meanwhile, is 8-5, and five, but they've looked much better than their record. A one-point loss to Southern Illinois, a four-point loss to UCF, a 10-point loss to UConn, and a five-point loss to Virginia Tech. So I'm going to go with West Virginia. They did so many things well at Kansas State, including 21 offensive rebounds. They'll need to clean up the turnovers, and they had 20 of them, and they'll also need to correct the 18 missed free throws. But I like the talent level for the Mountaineers, so I'm going to grab the three and a half on the road at Oklahoma State. Next up on the card, it's the final game of the card. It is Loyola of Maryland, plus the seven and a half at American University. I said it was a small slate of games. American University is nine and three on the year. They've won nine of 10. Meanwhile, Loyola, Maryland is five and nine after losing five of their last six games. The seven and a half, though, is a concern given the fact the Eagles of American University are scoring just 67.5 points per game, and they're only outscoring their opponents by five. Colgate pounded the Greyhounds of Loyola, Maryland by 34 on Friday, but Loyola, Maryland did keep it within six at DePaul, and they have three other losses this year by five or less. Loyola, Maryland has actually played the tougher schedule. I think they can keep this one interesting in the end, so I'm going to grab the seven and a half with Loyola, Maryland at American University. So let's recap your card for a Monday in the National Football League. I'm on the Buffalo Bills, minus the one at the Cincinnati Bengals. In college football, I'm on USC, minus the one over Tulane. I'm on Utah in a pick'em over Penn State in the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. In college basketball, I'm on Wright State, minus the 15 at IUPUI. I'm on Rutgers, plus the eight at Purdue. I'm on West Virginia, plus the three and a half at Oklahoma State. And I'm on Loyola of Maryland, plus the seven and a half 
at American University. Very rare for me. I'm playing four road teams in college basketball. That's the type of day it is, I guess. But as always, manage that bankroll. Don't chase money. Have fun. And let's cash some tickets together. Good luck, everyone. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.